Welcome to the Kaleidoscope with Allison Keys. This is a podcast from CBS News, and I am your host. The show is a breakout from the CBS News Weekend Roundup. Throughout the pandemic, people have been flocking to food banks. This is the first time that I've consistently had to go to a food bank over and over again. But for some, the handouts weren't enough. For us, it lasts a couple of days, maybe, just because there's so many of us in the house. On top of that, the food bank struggled to meet the demand, and there were other issues many people don't think about. Mark Buecher did. He's the co-founder of the Medium Rare Restaurant Group and founder of Feed the Fridge. The Washington, D.C.-based nonprofit just launched a public-private partnership to get free, healthy meals to those who need them. Refrigerators are placed in schools, recreation centers, and other locations and are stocked with meals made by restaurants in the area. I spoke with Buker about his vision and what wasn't working at the food banks. That conversation after this short break. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We'd go to these food giveaways, and we'd be giving out meals, and they'd be giving out their boxes of canned goods and other non-perishables. And we look on the sidewalks when everyone's cleaning up from the event, and we see a bunch of canned goods and containers of, of cottage cheese and milk, gallons of milk just left behind. And people took them out of the box and left them behind. Why are you taking the canned goods out? We don't have a can opener. We don't own a can opener. And we realize that a majority of people that live at or below the poverty line that are relying on these boxes of non-perishables don't own proper equipment or cookware to even manufacture, make or cook a meal. Can opener is about $5. That's enough to feed a family. And we're like, well, has anyone thought of this? Does anyone not notice the food on the side of the sidewalks after these things are over? And we would bring it up and the organizers of these events would say, yeah, but it puts a smile on everyone's face. I said, whose, yours or theirs? So one of the first things we've done is we've made arrangements to get 9,000 can openers distributed to all the area food banks in this area to go along with their non-perishable boxes just to solve a quick problem. Then we're also putting refrigerators where people are hungry, where the highest concentration of hungry people are, whether they're students, adults, elderly, doesn't matter. We're working with our local jurisdictions, local governments. And I'm bringing meals to them. We're, put, we're buying meals from local restaurants. So we're supporting the local economy, which is critically important right now. And making sure that everyone gets a living wage while we're doing it. And we're putting ready to eat, ready to heat meals that are made and prepared at restaurants, dignified meals in these refrigerators free to anyone who wants it. Because the only qualifier is you're hungry. I would like to know about how many fridges we're talking about. Where are they? And what kind of meals are these? What, what, what kind of, are, what's the food made of? Are there, are there protein? Are there carbs? So our goal is, uh, our goal and mission is no one walks more than four blocks for a meal. So we started in D.C. And we have fridges in D.C. parks and rec centers, D.C. public schools. Uh, we're installing them now at uh, D.C. public libraries and at the Smithsonian. Uh, so, so at different 
museums in Smithsonian as well. Uh, every day we order meals from restaurants. We, we go, we buy them, we pick them up and we go stock the fridges every day with these meals. And one day it could be from Rasika, one day it could be from Cava, one day it could be Italian, one day it could be um, Mediterranean, uh, one day it could be vegan from chaya tacos or prescription chicken, it could be soup. So that's how we do it. Uh, we currently have 29 of these refrigerators in the DC, Maryland area. We, we're currently putting out about 3000 meals a day. We've never missed a day, come rain or sleet nor hell, the meals get delivered. And we're really starting to see impacts uh, as to what we're doing, which is very different than the results that soup kitchens or other groups that supply food are seeing. You have you have said that you want to take this national. My goal is to solve hunger and restaurants can do it. Um, and we're going to organize this. We've built it in the D.C., Maryland, Virginia area to be replicated anywhere in the country. The model's built. The infrastructure is built. The mechanisms on how to get the refrigerators, how to install them, how to load them are all built. Fundraising is our hardest part. It just takes money, but the private sector can solve this. I know we can. Um, my mission is for Feed the Fridge to be gone in 20 years, that we've solved hunger and hunger is gone. Um, and in a sense, we've done our job. Um, I challenge every other hunger organization in the country to say that, to say they're out to solve hunger and they want to be gone in 20 years because they've solved it. Otherwise, we're just putting Band-Aids on a problem and we'll never solve it. But we need to come up with solutions that eradicate it, not just address it for one day or two days. I'm curious about some of the stories that you may have heard as, as you were taking your tour of food banks. What were people telling you that yeah. they most desperately needed besides not cans? Pots and pans and cooking utensils. So we were shocked. So pots and pans are expensive. And they're even expensive on Amazon when you buy the kits. They're $50, $60, anywhere up to five, six, seven, eight hundred dollars And when we started researching why they were not available, we went to Salvation Army and Goodwill and, and Green Drop. And we realized very quickly that no, when people move, they don't donate their cookware. They take it with them. It moves with the house. Cookware, cooking utensils all get packed up and moved. They don't get donated. So there's nothing available for these folks and they're expensive. Um, and that's the biggest challenge we have. So we're solving that too. Um, starting this fall, we're going to be doing meal kits over 26 weeks that have different meals prepared by different restaurants with recipe cards in English and Spanish. All the cooking utensils, all the cooking equipment needed for that meal, whether it's braising, steaming, broiling, frying, baking, roasting, and they keep it. They keep all the equipment, all the pots and pans, all the utensils, full bottles of seasonings, and working with a, a, a food, the, the food network to produce 21-minute uh, videos on how to cook those items, how to repurpose the leftovers, and then how to go purchase those items with SNAP benefits or your own dollars moving forward. So at the end of a curated period, they've got a fully stocked pantry and kitchen of cookware and utensils to make meals. Really briefly, Mark, this seems very personal to you. Why, why is that? I'm angry. Uh, and that's a really good question because I'm angry about it because I think we, we as society have done a really good job of mobilizing a lot of effort to get a lot of produce and a lot of ingredients out to those who are hungry. We haven't stopped to realize that those that are hungry can't do anything with it or can do very little with it. Um, I've also realized that there's a, a very fine line between need versus want. And a lot of folks just want the free stuff, but don't need it. Um, let's focus on who needs it. Let's get them meals to eat. So we solve hunger. We're just getting ingredients. We're not solving anything. 
let's get let's make meals readily available. Let's fix the school lunch program with meals where kids don't get hungry. One of the unintended consequences of the USDA policy is these these inexpensive school lunches, um, highly processed food, um, and kids are hungry two to three hours later. Those who have access to food, they eat the bag of chips and a soda. They come home from school and dig into another caloric equivalent of a full meal and then have family dinner two or three hours later. And we've got a childhood obesity epidemic. And everyone's looking around going, where's it coming from? It's coming from the school lunch program. So when we went to go design our meals, which is a question you asked earlier, is we went to the American Academy of Pediatrics. And we asked, what nutrition does a child, growing child need to remain satiated for four to six hours? That was the question we asked. They said they need six to eight ounces of, of non-processed protein, the equivalent carbohydrate, the equivalent starch. And that's how we build our meals. It's chicken, beef, lamb, grilled, broiled, how, you know, put in a meatball, put in a meat sauce. Um, if we serve it over pasta, it's a lentil or it's a chickpea pasta. We watch the carbs. And then we'll do uh, the equivalent in carbohydrate, the equivalent in starch. And then no one's hungry for four to six hours. As you go above the age of 50, that's a meal for two, and it keeps an elderly person satiated for an entire day. So that's our; those are our meal requirements, and that's what we're putting out there. So we're actually we're providing the meals, and we literally are stopping hunger. People aren't hungry. That was Feed the Fridge founder Mark Buecher. Thanks so much for joining us, and also thanks to Ashley Armstrong for her production assistance. Like what you hear? Come back for more. There will be new episodes of Kaleidoscope with Allison Keys every Monday. Follow the show wherever you get your podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm Allison Keys. Hey, everybody, John Stewart here. I am here to tell you about my new podcast, The Weekly Show. It's going to be coming out every Thursday. So exciting. You'll, you'll be saying to yourself, TGIT. Thank God it's Thursday. We're going to be talking about all the things that hopefully obsess you in the same way that they obsess me. The election, economics, earnings calls. What are they talking about on these earnings calls? We're going to be talking about ingredient to bread ratio on sandwiches. And I know that I listed that fourth, but in importance, it's probably second. I know you have a lot of options as far as podcasts go, but how many of them come out on Thursday? I mean, talk about innovative. Listen to The Weekly Show with Jon Stewart wherever you get your podcasts.